Hello, and welcome to the possibly renamed Fancy Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host and commissioner, Pat Polk, and I'm here to again not talk about fantasy football. I'm here to talk about movies yet again, and I have a special guest yet again. Another great guest, not denigrating him by saying that he's here again, but in fact, very happy that he's here. John Rhodes. Hello, John. Oh, yeah. What's up, buddy? Not much. Uh, So we are recording this. I'm going to put myself on the clock because I'm going to try and get this out a lot faster than I got out. You think in under a month this time? I think so. Recording this January 31st. You know what day it is in two days, Johnny? Uh, I I have no way of knowing. February 2nd. Oh, okay. That sounds like a normal day. Yeah. Also known as Groundhog's Day. Oh, I like that. So I think I think we're on the cutting edge here, Johnny. I think that we can pioneer treating Groundhog's Day movies as a holiday genre that is just as important to discuss as Christmas movies and Halloween movies and I guess maybe like Valentine's Day movies or whatever else holidays. I think this is a, a, a very important holiday to cinema along with these others. And so we're going to record a podcast and possibly, if if uh, the winds of fate so allow, possibly make it a tradition as well moving forward. But I want to talk about Groundhog's Day style time loop movies. I have a couple notes right at the top. First off, uh, I want to jump to the end. If we evaluate, like, how many out of 10 Punxsutawney films does this movie get? Is that going to be related to time loops or the February? second can you make a good groundhog day movie that takes place in the summer i i i I do have planned how many groundhogs out of 10 and i think obviously spoilers guys we're talking about the actual movie groundhog day i think that it is the the quality of the time loop and perhaps perhaps um specifically compared to the movie groundhog day since that is like the grandfather of them all so, like, by definition, obviously, Groundhog Day is going to okay. do well on the Good. score. But I, it does not have to take place on Groundhog Day. But as we kind of said, this the, we, we can call these movies Groundhog Day movies because Groundhog Day came out and kind of uh, defined a subgenre all on its own. And so where where better to start in discussing time loop movies than with the, the grandfather of them all, Groundhog Day? Okay, I have a second concern. Yes. I don't know if this is a coincidence or if this is an intentional choice, but are you going with the idea that this movie is called Groundhog Day and the holiday is called Groundhog's Day? No, they are both Groundhog Day. Okay, so everything's okay. I, I maybe I misheard. I thought you said Groundhog's Day once, and I was really concerned that we were going to have a big fight over is anything here plural or possessive because I'm straight Groundhog Day on everything. Groundhog Day, yes. It is Okay, good. Is I'm glad we're in agreement there. Neither possessive nor plural. It is Groundhog Day, the movie, and Groundhog Day the day. Also, tip of the cap, Charlie Yorty's birthday. Happy birthday, Charlie Yorty. Oh, pretty good birthday. Quick power uh, birthday power rankings for holidays. I think Groundhog Day is way up there because it's technically a holiday, but you really don't want to share your birthday with a holiday. Like no matter even whether it's even if it's a Valentine's Day, like honestly, I think like Groundhog Day is good. 
flag day is good. You want the bogusest holiday possible if your birthday is going to share it. What do you think? I agree. You don't want anything that we're... I, here's what I think. You want a cool holiday, but you don't want something where people are busy doing stuff for that holiday. Um, I had a friend in undergrad whose birthday was the 4th of July. And so there's obvious like demerits for summer birthdays, especially when you're in school. But uh, 4th of July, cool summer birthday. I, I feel like that was that was okay. That's not bad. So I, I graduated high school in 2001. So the class below me was 2002. And so those were the people that were born in 1984, which was a leap year. And there were three people in the class below me whose birthday was on leap day. And I wow. thought that's a pretty cool birthday. Um, if you could, you could go either way. Obviously, if you're a kid and you are, you really care about celebrating your birthday accurately, then maybe you don't like the fact that your birthday only comes around once every four years. But obviously when you're a little kid, you're going to get a party on the 28th or whatever without a problem. Uh, but I think that it is cool to have such a rare birthday and you could pretend that you're one fourth your age when you're older. And I've, I've cooled a lot on Bill Simmons uh, over the years. He's gotten pretty lame and uh, negative, but Agreed. one of the things that he said was that like leap day should be like the biggest holiday of all time because it's so rare like people should go buck wild on leap day. And I think that's kind of a fun idea. And no just do the leap day Williams stuff. Just like make that the world. Like that concept of, yeah, this is a fucking Bacchanal is a, a good one. Exactly. Like orgies in the streets. Like I'm not going to necessarily participate, but one day, like, like it's not the purge, but maybe it's, 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 it's purge ish to be sure. Speaking of Purge birthdays, I think I've mentioned this on the pod before, but uh, Lily's birthday is March 21st, and that is canonically Purge Day. And I called her our Purge baby a few times, and Jen hates it every single time. Purge baby sounds like a much worse version of a breach baby. So I can see why that wouldn't be like the most fun thing to talk about if you were like occasionally giving birth to people. Occasionally. Yeah, this is like a, it's not your primary hobby. Yeah. But it is one of your passions. Every now and then you do do that. Well, yeah. she does do that. You and I do not do that. So maybe we're more okay throwing around such uh, terminology. Giving birth, not even once. Anyway, let's talk about Groundhog Day, that's, that's, that's the movie, practice. shall we? This movie kicks ass. Good choice for a movie, I say. It is a very good movie. I I, I rewatched it kind of recently with Jen. And it was the first time that she'd ever seen it, and she was pleasantly surprised. She, As she recently said in a podcast that I just published, uh, she does not really like comedies. <laughs> and you thought that was hilarious. I, I Hilarious is a word for it. Chilling is another word for it. <laughs> uh, the idea, yeah. Like I, if, I, Over time, I recognize I like good comedies more than almost anything. So the idea of just as a blanket, sta- blanket statement, that's not for me scary uh before we get into i i this maybe you want to edit this out i don't know what you want to do i did have to pay uh 3.99 to rent this i don't know if i like invoice you or how that works or... <laughs> uh no i'm not going to accept the charges no i will if you if that was a collect call i would decline uh no sorry you're gonna have to cover yourself i also okay. had to rent it i i i don't think we own it if if we own it on anything it is on a in a dvd in the basement that is hard to get, but I don't think we own it anywhere. Uh, so I did rent it on 
Amazon. I definitely owned this at one point, but I uh, lost approximately two thirds of my DVDs at some point in the past. So uh, I, this is not one of the ones that made it through. Was that a so, specific event that happened or just, I, I didn't do it on purpose. I, and I, I don't know when it happened, but like, were they stolen? at one point I just, I, 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 I got nothing for you. I just know I used to have three big binders of DVDs. And then one day I had one and I don't know where the others ever went. That sucks. I'm sorry, man. Well, but. so anyway, I had recently watched this a little bit, but then I watched it again last night uh, to be fresh for the pod. And it is so good. It is exactly as good as you remember. It's very funny. It's very interesting. It's very sharp. It's a very clever idea that they did it essentially first. And it became its own subgenre, especially lately. Kind of a trickle of Groundhog's Day movies for like 30 years. And then there's an explosion the past few years uh, that really took it off. Uh, took off. But uh, yeah, it's great. And time loop movies in general are great. Both you and I, is it fair to say, have a particular affinity for time loop movies and time loop video games Time loop, st- time loop stories. Yeah, time loop stories, time loop art. This is a thing I'm interested in. I think there's a lot of different angles and I think it ought to be like, it took a long time for society to figure out that like time travel period is is a cool concept, but then eventually we figured it out and now we do it all the time. I think we're going to do the same thing with time loops. So this is just a thing that is inherently interesting to people. And so just if just going down that road and finding a new angle is, is a great idea, no matter what medium you're working in. I agree. In fact, I will not, this is not the time or audience for it, but in particular, 2021 was a big year for time loop video games. There were a lot of particularly notable time loop video games this year. Uh, and I would say in 2018 to 2021, somewhere thereabouts, there are a lot of time loop shows and movies kind of in the renaissance uh, the past few years as well. But but nobody, we're not going to talk about video games. We're just going to talk about mostly Groundhog Day and then a little bit about the, the genre. Uh, does that sound good? Uh, I want to cheat a little bit and say one thing about time loop video games. Sure. Which is that I think the reason they're like the leading edge of this genre is oh boy are video game developers excited when they are told they can reuse resources like you know what would be nice is just use that same room three thousand times in a row and you tell the, the player like oh we did that we did that because we thought you'd like it not because we didn't want to make more art so you know what i'm going to skip ahead in my outline here i'm going to go straight to we haven't gotten into groundhog day at all but i will talk since we're talking about it let's talk about why do we think this niche genre? Well, I think that's absolutely a reason. Us. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and Groundhog Day is the same thing. You just go to this small town and you can shoot these scenes. You can you can probably shoot like 10 different versions of a scene in a row. It's a good way to make a, a movie inexpensively and fast. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, as I have done lately for these podcasts, I did a lot of reading of different, uh, you know, oral histories and behind the scenes and commentaries. And yes, they did film uh, repeat runs back to back to back. Like, like the Ned Ryerson scene in particular, they talked about how they filmed those like three in a row. And so it was like the first time through and then the second time through when he was kind of confused and the third time through when he was really confused. 
just back to back to back so that they could get that they could get all the details right to make everyone else in the background do the same thing and to get mm-hmm. the contrast with him slowly dawning of what is happening so they they did do exactly that sort of thing so john yeah it would be irresponsible not to do that it's so much easier so why do you like why do you think you like time loop narratives in let's say mostly movies and games but other stories as well well i i think that for one thing this this genre is inherently about human growth and it's it's about people actually changing which is a thing that we can debate about <laughs> maybe you need a time loop in order to actually change and that most people will never get the time loop and so they'll never actually change but it is hard to find a story like this where you don't see people realize things about themselves and the world and how they interact with it and and, and things like you know what the way i was acting before isn't how i, I want to be i think it, it, it's the most natural story to tell with this and it's a story that like i don't think i'm unique in this i you you love to see you love to see someone actually realize you know what i can i can live a different way and then they go and do it i agree yeah and and you could say in a lot of movies um it, it is unrealistic when someone has a huge character development. for sure yeah but when someone is going through the same day thousands mm-hmm. of times and maybe they're effectively immortal at least until the loop ends um they actually have time a they have a long life to do this like you could do the same thing like with the movie about vampires maybe if you you know if somebody is effectively immortal and they have a lot of time to think about what they've done but i think also yes the looping nature of it you get to see the consequence of your actions so directly um so yeah i agree that it is a natural setting for showing growth and development and in in a lot of movies when you're just doing something over the course of a few days or even a few years it is hard to realistically portray someone having a fundamental change in their character whereas here it it is more likely yes i uh it reminds me of sort of an in-between here is i recently listened to your episode with jen about the movie scrooged and i think it's a similar thing it's almost like a shortcut when you like that that classic uh debatably like invention of time travel christmas carol story in which uh, you someone sees like their past, present, and future, and like it, it's almost the same sort of thing. Where like this is another scenario where it's not unreasonable to see someone actually want to make changes in their life in a very short time frame. And in that, you know, there's like the supernatural occurrence striking the fear of God in you. Yeah, it's like, like it, it, it's real cute. You didn't think this stuff was real before, but you know what, buddy? It's 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 time to start believing real fast. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the comparisons between specifically Scrooged and Groundhog Day are obviously very natural because they're both starring Bill Murray and re re rewatching them so close together. Now I was struck by how similar the, the bad aspects of the characters were between Scrooged and Groundhog Day. Obviously, if you listened to the Scrooged episode, you know that I did not especially care for the movie Scrooge. I didn't think it worked very well. There were some funny parts, but overall, it's just an unpleasant movie. Whereas I love Groundhog Day, I think it's great. So I think that Groundhog Day is much more successful. But the starting point is kind of similar with this very unlikable Bill Murray character, completely egotistical, completely 
taking advantage of everyone around him and having something happen that makes him redeem himself. Uh, you know how there's that concept of the compliment sandwich and yes. we all know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what if, I don't know what you'd call it, but sometimes there should be a thing where what, what's an example of a thing like instead of like a sandwich, we know that concept, but like where there's a, a good thing on top and it's hiding a bad thing below. We don't have to work this out right now, but I'm going to call that cauliflower pizza. Love it. Love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> you see it from the top. You're like, Oh hell yeah. Time to have a pizza. And you can either like, Oh wait, where's he going with this? That's what I like here. Uh, cauliflower pizza of compliments. I think that uh, I don't like Scrooge nearly as much as I used to. I would say seven to 10 years ago, there was a time I probably would have said it was my favorite Christmas movie, but then watching it year after year, I came to the recognition that it, it, it doesn't really work. It's not funny enough to overcome the deficiencies and the darkness. It doesn't really hit for me. I'm with you, man. And Jingle All the Way replaced it as my yearly Christmas movie. <laughs> That's where he lost me, yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I, I just was overwhelmed by the darkness in, in Scrooge. And, and there were there were parts that I laughed at out loud. I thought there were some pretty good lines, some pretty funny scenarios. Um, but overall, it was just too... It, it, was un, it left a bad taste in my mouth. It was unpleasant mm-hmm. instead of yep. enjoyable. Whereas Groundhog Day, he starts off so unlikable uh but he truly overcomes that over the course of the movie which is a which is a, a tall order um i'm For gonna sure. go out of order with myself again there is one of the things that i watched while i was preparing for this was an 11 minute uh, a, a paltry 11 minute making of clip that i found on youtube that only had harold ramus andy mcdowell and Stephen Toblowski, the guy who played Ned Ryerson, it didn't have Bill Murray or the screenplay writer or whoever else. Um, but interestingly to me, I thought that uh, Stephen Toblowski, the guy who played Ned Ryerson, had some of the most like poignant and insightful analysis of the movie. I thought it was it was surprisingly touching. And uh, here is what he said about uh, the the general character. I don't think we really want Bill to get the girl. I think we detest Bill and his smugness at the beginning. I think one of the miracles of the movie is that during the course of the movie, we want boy to get girl. I just thought that was cute. That was touching. Like it is a a big feat of the movie to start at such an unpleasant person. And over the course of the movie, which is a pretty brisk hour and a half, pretty much uh, get you to root for him to redeem himself and maybe get the girl. I don't know if this is the right, I think I'm going to go ahead and get into this now. I think my biggest criticism of the movie is very related to this and that I, I think the push, I think it's even darker than what you're describing in that he starts as a mean guy and then he gets a godlike power and he becomes a worse person because of it. I think my least favorite portion of the movie is like Bill Murray just hooking up with chicks because he has this power. Yes. And I think it goes on way too long. Like I get the point. And I think I think it's honestly, I think the intention of the filmmaker here is that it's very funny to watch Bill, watch Bill Murray use his magic powers 
to hook up with women who should not hook up with them. And we do that way longer than I think we need to. Yeah, I agree. Uh, two of my bottom three, I did a top three and a bottom three for these. And both of them are a little problematic relationships with women uh, or, or either women or masculinity in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, certainly that part is unpleasant. I I agree that it, it goes on too long. And so the person who um, wrote this, uh, Danny Rubin, he wrote a first draft that was much darker to start with. He I read an article about the making of, and he wrote a 300-page book about the making of wow. this movie, which I think includes the entire screenplay or something like that. So probably it's maybe oh, a 200-page That's page kind book. of a cheat. Yeah, yeah that doesn't yeah. count anymore. <laughs> but it's still, okay, a 200-page book and a 100-page screenplay, something okay. like that. Anyway, um... So the original screenplay was much darker. It was not really a comedy. So he had two different... He he wrote like 30 spec scripts in a short time span, just trying to come up with new ideas like brainstorming. Like one day over and over again? No. Yeah. No. He had different ideas. and But okay. what he did, he had two ideas, which having only... Not read his book yet, but just reading an article, it's kind of hard to see them distinctly having now knowing what groundhog day is but essentially he had one movie where there is a time loop and it was a guy stuck in one day and it was unpleasant for him essentially and he had another movie that he said was inspired by an Anne rice vampire novel where essentially there was this arrested development man child who became immortal and uh like tried to develop with his immortality. And then he realized that these two needed to be one script. Sure. And so he wrote the general idea for um, Groundhog Day. Anyway, in the original script, apparently it said he had like bedded 47 of the 63 eligible bachelorettes in Puxatawney. Boy. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Like he, he had a scoreboard in his mind uh, with how many women he had slept with. And so it, it was even darker than that. So then Harold Ramis, um, is the director and he rewrote the script with him and he made it a lot funnier. And then Bill Murray came on board and then Bill Murray made it funnier and did some improv and did some rewriting. And so between the three of them, they turned it into this like romantic comedy uh, with a, with a heart, obviously with, with a message to some extent. Um, But it obviously, it became much more comedic uh, in the, in the rewriting process. I think I object to calling this a romantic comedy, but we can dig back into that later i know uh, i agree that's what everything calls it though I, agree. I think that's fucked up i think even in the in the good the the good loop at the end i think that's not the lesson yeah i agree but um uh did this guy write anything else that anybody likes i don't know let me look it up danny rubin is his name and i don't think so so also in my research there so this movie came out in 1993 yep um, so there have been obviously a few, um, anniversaries of its release over the years. And so all these different articles came out different year- years apart. There's like a lot of articles in 2013, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. but he is, he is interviewed individually for almost all the articles I read. He was very available, <laughs> quite and, available I love and it. interested in talking about it. So I, my suspicion is that he did not do a lot of other really notable stuff. Here he is, Danny Rubin. He's an actor also. Danny Rubin was born in 1957. He is the writer and actor known for Groundhog Day 1993, Freaky Friday 2003. Not the original Freaky Friday, but the 2003 Freaky Friday, and Hear No Evil. 
is what the one page summary is. So he wrote he wrote five things total. Groundhog Day is his first movie ever. Hear No Evil, same year, 1993. SFW, 1994. Uh, a Thing in Another Language That I Can't Read, Ajayeri in 2004, and Our Own Devices TV miniseries, 2018. And that's all that he's on for writing. Um, is, so no. is Freaky Friday 2003 Lindsay Lohan Freaky Friday? Yes, and I looked it up, and he is an actor in that. He did not. Write oh, so he did not write this. Okay, which is kind that's, of funny. It's that's a kind weird, of a similar yeah. sci-fi comedy uh, premise. Yeah, that is his only um, acting credit on IMDb. He was Scott, the bass player, in. Sounds like an incredible role. Exactly. Really meaty. Got to dig his teeth in. So anyway, that guy uh, wrote it. Not didn't write. I don't know about this stuff. guy. I don't know about this guy. I think maybe this is a Harold Ramis Bill Murray movie. This guy uh, delivered a premise and then got got shuffled off uh, okay. stage left. I will. Agree. I will. Here's another broad observation. This was particularly true when I was um, reading about Elf when I was doing these podcasts, which I was never. No, that sounds like a really good use of your time reading a lot about Elf for a podcast. That I, I, I believe that doesn't exist. It does not. Ex- it, the, the, I, my half of the. I could release my half. You could hear me expound on all of my research on the movie Elf if you want. Without even any, I will not listen to that. Pat. Without any rude interruption by Alex. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, one of the big things on Elf was that there was this guy who is a writer who is completely unknown, kind of like this, and um, then it got picked up by John Favreau as the director. When before he was super famous, he had just done Swingers by then obviously not iron man famous yet or super mega rich but um and john favreau rewrote it and made it funnier and lighter kind of like good idea yeah like like this but it was very interesting reading different articles from their different perspective or watching this uh netflix documentary about the making of that was really from the writer's perspective and the and the and the like rookie producer that got involved and stuff because they completely had conflicting versions of the development of this movie and did not agree on who really was responsible for certain aspects of it. Like everyone was taking credit for a lot of the same parts and it's very funny to me. And, and that is a little bit true with Groundhog's Day, not nearly as much um, as with Elf, but there's a little bit of multiple people taking credit for different aspects of it. I think it also does. It, it feels like kind of a similar thing in that it is important where we 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 end both where we start and where we end up as far as like how dark these movies are and so elf i assume started as a a lighter movie than the initial versions of groundhog day but like we're talking about like oh and then the funny people showed up and made the light nice movie in which the main character kills himself a bunch of times like we still ended up in a pretty dark place which makes you think like oh boy this initial version where the guy is like, you know what? I'll hook up with literally three quarters of the women in this town and have a fucking list. I think that initial script has to be awful. Okay. Here's what I'll say. Another thing about the initial script. So there's an article, the article that I read that was really in depth about the initial script, which was mostly based on the book that I have not read yet. Uh, It was on den of geek, how groundhog day changed dramatically during development from 2019 Two things 
to note about the original version, three things. First, uh, in the original script, he started in the middle of the loops and was already depressed. Like within like five pages. Terrible, of the script, terrible, terrible idea. He, what a he, bad idea. Within like five pages of the script, he was he got Ned Ryerson in his face and he punched him like he does in the middle of the movie, being fed up from Ned Ryerson. And um, also in the book, he or in the original script, he kept track of how many loops he had gone through instead of it being completely deliberately ambiguous in the final movie. Um, that was a choice by Harold Remus to like leave it because this, the executives uh, that were contributing the money thought it would be too depressing if it was too long. And they wanted to be like, this should be like two weeks. And they're like, no, this is like thousands of days. There's absolutely no way this is going to be like a 14-day time loop. And he, he learns all this stuff. So they, they didn't come to any agreement. So they just deliberately removed any reference or standard for how long this was going on. But in the original script, uh, the way he kept track of how many loops he had done is that he, he read one page out of a book each day and he continued on the next page the next day because obviously he can't write anything down. I guess that kind of makes sense. But he read every page of every book in the library in the bed and breakfast. So so it was at least like 30,000 days minimum in, in that. Um, and the final weird thing is that it's it was like legitimately sounds like it was like an indie sci-fi script more than a comedy. There was a twist ending, which again, just from reading this article was unclear to me. I... It sounds like, yes, that that he woke up, Phil woke up with Rita in bed on the 3rd. But then there's a twist, which I think means that the twist happened on the 3rd and not on Groundhog's Day. Okay. But uh, Rita said that she could not love anyone right now. She is not in a space where she could love anyone. And it was essentially revealed that Rita had started a time loop. And then that was the end. That sucks. That sucks. That is so dark and bad well, it, it, is it even dark is it, it feels I, mean, I guess no it, it unquestionably is dark but it feels like darkness for darkness yeah, it sake. doesn't add it yeah. doesn't do anything interesting uh i also i i had a note here about uh like complimenting the screenplay and how it recognized the value of hitting repeatable points in a normal day from the beginning and apparently that was like not an original thing. I was like, it's incredible to me that they figured that out so quickly, especially seeing like all the video games and other shows and movies and stuff that do time loops. It's such a thing that, you know, step one has to be the regular guy in a regular day living his regular life. And then you go back and, get, and I was like, it's so cool that they figured that out from the beginning. But it sounds like that was not even close to a first draft thing, but a thing that like more people had to come in and figure out. So that was Harold Ramis specifically, and he there's an anecdote in some articles, but I think the articles took it specifically from that 11-minute making of video on YouTube. The first thing he says is, I told Danny, I love that he started in the middle of the loop. That was a genius thing. I'd never change it. And then the the studio was like, you got to change that, and that's the first thing we changed. So like, <laughs> he promised them they weren't going to change it, and just immediately like, they rewrote the beginning of the movie. You know, everybody hates studio notes, but sometimes studio notes are exactly right. So the I idea want... coming in at something like this in the middle, it sounds miserable. So I don't agree 100% with you. I think it could work. This is not going to be the topic of this uh, podcast, but we talked about possibly discussing the movie Palm Springs. And Palm Springs 
notably does start in the middle of the loop. Andy Samberg's character is already depressed about his life uh, having done this loop thousands of times already. And I think that that movie works relatively well. You like it a lot less than I do. I don't love it, but I like it. And I think that that works fine, but I think it works in current time loop movies because Groundhog Day laid the foundation. It That's would just be, what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like this was the, the thing that started it all. And it, it took the audience along for the ride. And now everyone is conversant with that convention and it, and you can kind of take some shortcuts yeah. and move things along more quickly, but you couldn't do that with the original Groundhog Day is what I think. Yeah. I, I don't love Palm Springs. I don't like it as much as you but that's not my problem with it. And I do think it is a fun twist on the idea that you get to do because the genre already exists. And you, and people, people like when you sell someone like, hey, watch this movie I like, it's called Palm Springs. It's like uh, Groundhog Day, but they're at a wedding in Palm Springs. That's how, like before Groundhog Day, it was like, just fucking watch this movie. We'll see what happens. Like you, you couldn't do that then. And I think it's enormously important that they found that. Another thing they changed in the development of the movie is at one point they had, they tried to explain the origin of the time loop and someone put a hex Ugh. on him. Uh, hex. I don't think that that was in the original. I think that was like kind of in the middle drafts. That was a thing that they kept kind of batting back and forth, whether they're going to include it or not. But essentially he pissed someone off by being mean to them and they put a curse on him. And so then he started looping his days. I'm trying to think if I've consumed time loop media that tried to explain the time loop in a way that I thought was acceptable. Uh, everything that tries to do it, I think, sucks. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's a bad angle. I, I think it's it, this is such a fantastical idea. You just do it. We just go. Uh, I, I have a couple uh, interesting things. Can I throw a couple of things to you? Absolutely. Did you get mad at the beginning of the movie when they kept showing the sky? I didn't get mad. I noticed you're like, so oh, gross, the sky. How boring. What? Just because it's outside, you mean? Yeah, like how you don't like the sky. This is canon. <laughs> I don't hate the sky. I am very indifferent towards nature. What I thought you were getting at was like, for instance, when you were talking about Jingle All the Way, where that was a winter movie that took place in Minneapolis. and The is, sky was also fucking not correct at all. There was a lot of weirdness. Like, and specifically, he's a weatherman. He incorrectly predicts that this blizzard isn't going to nail them. The blizzard nails them. They can't even get out of town in their own van. And then the time loop happens and he's back. But what, but when he is completely stuck in the road and walking around and getting completely like buried in snow while he's talking to the cop, it's terrible. And they go back to the bread and breakfast and there's like no snow and nothing in the sky. It was like not even close to consistent. I thought that was pretty weird. I, yeah, it is. It's kind of funny that like this is the weirdest snowstorm of all time because they're like in the van leaving town and it's not even snowing. And then by the time they're on the highway, it's so bad. The cops are like, no one's allowed to go through here. And like long distance die phone instantly. lines are down. The phone lines are down. It's like, God, you guys, it's it's Pennsylvania. You get snowstorms. It's not like this is happening in Key West. Like this is this has come up before. Do you happen to know where this movie was actually filmed? Uh, I think it's a town in Illinois, but I don't know where. 
Woodstock, Illinois. Yes. Woodstock, Illinois. There you go. They chose it because it had a better bound downtown. It was more photogenic. Uh, they went to actually the actual Punxsutawney, and it's there was just not a good downtown to set everything. Well, I had a note about that later. It's I looked and I saw that Punxsutawney has like six thousand people, and I was like, damn, I I am from Western Illinois, and I've been in a bunch of towns that have like three to ten thousand people in them, and boy, we don't have all this nice shit like cool restaurants and real hotels and bars and all this stuff those towns are garbage uh so i i it makes sense that like woodstock is like oh we found an especially nice version of a very small town like this and there was a little bit of bad blood between punxsutawney and woodstock punxsutawney was jealous that it was not being filmed in woodstock as they should be they sent a delegation to woodstock to observe that like the ceremony was relatively accurate for uh, Groundhog Day itself. Kind of funny, but yeah. I had an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what they should do in Punxsutawney? What should they do? You know how on February 2nd they have Groundhog Day? Yes. They should have Groundhog Day on February 3rd. Ha. Tell everyone, like, don't, like, if you, all you have to do, you go on Reddit and you're like, we're having groundhog day for real this year come to groundhog day on february 2nd and then try to replicate your day again on february 3rd that'd be very fun Absolutely. people would go fucking nuts for that yeah i think that would be very successful and honestly i would kind of want to go it yeah. would be very fun to like try to like just try to be in the same place try to see people as you go around the town replicate your conversations but i then think people would literally like it everyone thinks they're the hero in their own story everyone would be filled. they are are you familiar with the world that's what's happening every day so i'm saying everyone i'm the would, hero would of be, my own story everyone would be phil and they'd be messing with people to see how they could change the day and it wouldn't work it would collapse immediately unfortunately are you suggesting we have to fill this town with like prostitutes and all that's, the all the phil's wander around talk to the ladies i can't what believe a, you would suggest that what how a terrible you? thing that you're, you're right that was terrible of you to say <laughs> you think it was gonna be a bunch of like fucking underage girls to hook up with they're disgusting why would someone kidnap a groundhog i could think of a few reasons pervert <laughs> um that was not what i was getting at and i'm just saying people would play along trying to repeat the same day to a certain point but then they would start messing with people to try to change it and everyone would be doing that so then the second day would collapse relatively quickly unfortunately that's all I'm saying. and punk satani would just cash the fucking checks from yeah. all the people coming to town who cares like yeah Great news. We're all renting stupid trucks then putting groundhogs in them to try to drive away and crash into a train or crash into the quarry or whatever. Check's clear. We don't care. Yeah. If you recall, the sub-segment that we're in in the podcast is why did these time loop movies appeal to us? Do you have any other thoughts on why these appeal to you besides human growth, redemption? Yes. Uh, It also appeals to us, especially today, because we live in an era in which it feels like all is lost and if only we had done one thing differently maybe things would be okay yeah but instead we're gonna have covid and trump for the rest of our lives yeah i have so you said human growth essentially for your first one i had um a redemption arc kind of similarly and then for this one i i had uh trying to get things right trying to set things right 
yeah. having like, having like maybe it was doable. Maybe the I, 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 hell that's what the fucking I haven't seen it, but that's what the last Avengers movie is, right? But like you just have to go find the one time we did it right, and we didn't happen to find it, but maybe somebody else did, and maybe I'll be the lucky one who can find it. I don't want to. It's spoil. not out there. I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil. You don't care. You haven't seen it. You could have seen it years ago. They really hand wave getting the one out of a hundred billion uh, scenarios where he just does the calculation. He says there's exactly one scenario in which we we win out of you know 111 billion, and then they don't it, show the work as to how they got there at all. And I'm like, really shocked. <laughs> I'm really shocked that those Marvel movies had kind of a cool idea, and then the did the dumbest possible version of it. That is blowing my mind. Yeah. Why would they, I, I thought those movies were really good. They're popcorn movies. Burn. <laughs> uh, a lot of these movies are funny. There's a lot of room for humor, even in it, it, movies it, it, that are not good overall setup, comedies. For sure. Yeah. Uh, for instance, so obviously this one, obviously Palm Springs are explicitly comedies first and foremost. But for instance... Edge of Tomorrow, colon, Live, Die, Repeat is a straightforward sci-fi action movie, but it is very funny because of the time loop mechanism. Very effective, and it it just encourages you to be like, Tom Cruise, you fucking suck at doing war. You're an idiot. Like This this, this stupid lady's way better than you, and she's the one who's got to train you. you got to get better than her, and you can't even do anything. It It's a very effective setup, yes. This one, I think you might disagree with me because you said you hate, you think it has never been good where they figure out the genesis of the phenomenon. But I, even if you don't, if that's not the direction you take it, in general, the first one on my list, above redemption and setting things right, I think that they're kind of like a fun little puzzle. Like, like you know, we both also really like the movie Primer, and yep. it is a real thinker. And you have to kind of figure out how that mechanism works and how the characters can kind of get out of their their situation. Time loop movies similarly can have complex either rules or interactions that are little puzzles to figure out, even if it is not explicitly about A, figuring out the origin of the phenomenon, or B, figuring out how to get out of the phenomenon. They still kind of are puzzles in a way, and I think that that is just a fun thing to think about. Definitely. There's like, like primers are a great example of the idea of like, what can I even do with this? What can I get out of this? Is this potentially useful or is this just going to be misery? That, that idea of like working through stuff, usually with the, the main character and finding like, Oh, this is, this is not just a trap. This is not just a thing I shouldn't go back into if I can get out of, but no, it's cool to be in this for this reason. And what I can do with it, I think that that's definitely a very fun thing when you get a movie that does that. Do you have any other thoughts on why? I have two more that are one is no, good go for and it. Is not. I got what I got. Okay, one of them. This one's just simple, but it's kind of in a way, especially with, for instance, Edge of Tomorrow. It's kind of video gamey. It is like the structure of these time loop movies is kind of like a video game where you kind of have another life and you restart the stage. And we both like video games and. Video game adaptation movies are uniformly bad, but time loop movies that kind of feel like the structure of a video game where you're retrying to solve the same problems and the world resets in between lives 
are often good and fun. And so I think that it, it, in a way appeals to me because it feels like a successful video game movie, even though it's not based on video game. I, it's hard for me to believe that it is just a coincidence that like this sort of art came about right after video games started becoming really prominent. And there's always that video game creators. This is a video game podcast. This is, this is a good observation by them but they talk about the idea of a video game in many video games being a story that is one single line in which the main character does everything perfect the whole way through and you have to just accept that you see a bunch of failed versions of the story and i i don't remember what it was it was when i, when I lived in california so this would have been like 2013 i played some tiny little indie game I wanted to say it was Super called Meat Boy. The Girl Dies at... It's not okay. Super Meat Boy. Uh, I wanted to say it was called The Girl Dies at the End, but that seems to be something else that I am not familiar with. But it was a very small, like, indie download, downloadable game. And the whole concept was that you couldn't win unless you cheated. Like, you had to, like, download a hacked version of the game. Does this sound familiar to you at all? I know. Not, of, I, I don't know how big a thing this was. I'm gonna say not specifically. I know of a lot of like hacky type games where you really have to mess with it, but I don't know of this specific one. Um, there's like this one company that makes very code centric games where you're really kind of getting into the weeds with it a little bit, but I don't know this specific game. No, I, I think in this one you just had you had just there was like some file you could find easily and download and add it to your game. But if you didn't do it, you would always lose. And the point of the game was that sometimes you don't win and that this is a, this is a specific story. And this story is that you didn't save this person. And then if you download the file, it was like, Oh, this is the magic, super fantastic happy time. And like you and your girlfriend, like fly to the moon and your superheroes and you can do anything. And it was like mocking you for not accepting that this is a story about failure and that sometimes you fail. I am only extreme i'm not a star trek fan i i know some of it but this is like the kobayashi maru from star trek that is the simulation that is unsolvable and it is really just a test to see how you react to this unwinnable situation what sacrifices you choose to make and not whether you can overcome the literally impossible odds unless you cheat Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i like that that's a thing in star trek um yeah yeah i think that's that's that makes sense. Uh, what I was thinking of, there's two games that are very explicitly about kind of the one perfect run. And the ones that I'm thinking of are actually three come to mind now. So Super Meat Boy is a very difficult, very simplistic platformer where you are literally a little cube of meat on that is tiny on this big screen. And you have to navigate a course that is very deadly. There's like buzz saws and infinite pits and blah, blah, blah. But you're, it has very precise controls. So you're always, whenever you die, it's your own fault. But you have <laughs> to navigate this very tricky course and get to the end. But you die a lot of times in the process. And when you actually solve it, it shows all of your replays simultaneously. Cool. So you see all of your failure states and your success state at the same time. Um, the same thing with Super Hot which is a first person game that is really cool where uh, it's in first person with like very simplified 3d graphics that are like kind of like bright vectors. And you, it's kind of like um, matrix bullet time. You, 
you are in a room with a bunch of bad guys that are just like these orange polygons and they shoot at you, but time doesn't move unless you're moving pretty much. So if you stay stationary, the bullet is very slowly flying at you. But if you like move to the side, then the bullet zooms past you. And, and so it's really more of a puzzle game than an action game. And you have to figure out how to be able to take out all these bad guys without getting shot yourself. And then when you succeed in the run, they do a replay from the outside view of you perfectly solving that little box, essentially. Um, and so you, you, every every time you beat a level is like pretty much a perfect run, and it shows you that. And and the game goes super hot, super hot, super hot is, as it shows the replay. Is that a big? Is there like a really good VR version of that? There is a, a VR version. There's three. The original game is not VR. Then they came out with super hot VR, and then they came out with super hot something else that's like a quasi sequel. And that game also kind of involves like hacking the game fiddliness. Uh, It's a little bit like that where in between levels, you kind of access this computer terminal and you can kind of mess with it. And there's mini games there and stuff. But anyway, there is a VR version that is well liked as well. Yes. I I, I didn't, I think I didn't know there was a non VR version, but I, I, I've seen that and it seems really cool, but I thought you could only play it if you had, VR no. stuff. So maybe have, I maybe I want to go look into this. You can other play game. it on PlayStation Five, my friend, or 4. there you go. Yeah, uh, the regular I thought, version okay. and the sequel is yeah. very cool and very weird. Sounds very cool. Uh, and I think kind of like Hotline Miami is a little bit like this too, where you you are very fragile and you can die instantly, but then when you do a perfect run, I think yep. they show a replay. I don't recall, but anyway, there's a lot of games kind of like what you say, and I agree that with the concept that essentially the video game is the one run that you make it. There's a on giantbomb.com there was a, a a series where they were trying to beat very hard old games like they're trying to beat the original Contra without using extra lives oh and it was boy. called this is the run and essentially the time that you beat it is the run and I agree. Yep. But some games are explicit with it such as uh Super Meat Boy. There you go. Sorry for the small number of listeners who are listening and none of them care about video games. I, th- I think that was more about the story of the games than like whether the games are fun. I think a person who doesn't like video games could enjoy that segment. <laughs> Thank you for your positive. No, no that said, no, is anyone listening? It, we Completely separate issue. Yes. Yeah. But it, were they, I think they could have had a good time. Here's if you made my, it that far, you could make it the rest of the way. Here's my last thing that could be a part that appeals to us, but it's a very tough one to navigate only on the extreme innocent scale side of the scale, but the permission for mischief in these time loop movies is fun. It's, it's mostly related to like the comedy side of things, but it is so easy to get dark with it and too far. It kind of reminds me, so like, you know, when, when, when you're kind of just messing with people, causing a little mischief in the time, that's fun. Um, obviously, mostly they're focused both in like Edge of Tomorrow and uh, Groundhog Day, like solving problems, like minor problems for people because you uh, know exactly what's going to happen. But screwing around with people when they're, when they have, there's no downside is fun. But then... You have to avoid going very dark with your cynical behavior and not do bad things such as sleeping with all the women or like worse. Like what if he decided to just go on a, a shooting spree because everyone would be resurrected the next day? Well, first off, that 
Is that presumptuous? Is Do we know what happens to everyone else the next day? Yeah, I don't. Well, for instance, we, we, we don't know. If nothing else, we know that the old man died every day and came back the next day. So like dying in the loop as a bystander does not cause you to be dead. Maybe there's lots of loops and maybe he went on and maybe everybody else went on in a different loop. I did. I, I, I pondered that when I was like, is this horrific when he makes the flapjack guys think he's about to crash into the train? Like, what if they have to go on and they're like, this is like the worst thing that's ever happened in them. So that ties into the plot of another fine Marvel um, experience, WandaVision. If you've uh, not yeah, seen I got nothing. Yeah, seen. you will be shocked to learn I have not seen WandaVision, but I uh, know it exists. Extreme spoilers for WandaVision. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you want to watch WandaVision and have not. But in WandaVision, it's like this, like, this whole town is enveloped in this, like, phenomenon. And it is like they're in a 50s TV show. And they all act, like, in character for this show. But it used to be a normal town. And it turns out that everyone in the town was being mind-controlled by Wanda, the Scarlet Witch. And so they had their own free will on the inside of their minds. And they were, like, prisoners to this mind control the whole time completely acting against their will and is actually quite horrific. And so maybe you're saying that the time loop is kind of like that. They did a lot of that in fallout three. I have that black and white town. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. There's uh, all this, all this Marvel stuff's no good. Don't tell anyone I said that. I don't, Um, I'm not offended, even though I enjoy some of it. I don't care. It's cool. I think that makes sense though. I think that it is a, uh if as long as you don't dig in too deep it is a really fun thing to do to watch just a completely without consequence like what are you gonna do today yeah like, and you like you can just go see what's up and like i wonder what it's like to be the guy who does this today and i steal yeah. the money from the bank or tomorrow i learn how to play the piano and it doesn't matter it's always fine and a very innocent example of this was not a time loop movie, but the uh, sitcom Last Man on Earth with uh, Will Forte, was it? Um, yes. The very first few episodes of that show where he thought he was the last human on Earth and he just like stole all of the great art and put it in his house and like just did insane stunts because there was no one else around and he could do whatever he wanted. Like that was, that's just a fun, gleeful act, I think, and it was entertaining and- to watch. Weird coincidence. Those are the episodes that are good. Yeah, I fell off that show pretty hard after. Like, yeah, I liked that. I was so excited, and I thought it was so fun. And then after a while, I was like, "It's we're just a bunch of people in a house fighting, and everybody hates Will Forte every day. Why am I still watching this?" But the the initial stuff. I mean, initially, just even each one person. Like that beginning stuff is incredible. Uh, Huge spoilers for Last Man on Earth. He's not the last man on Earth. But that is revealed relatively early, I, I have to say. Um, so we've talked a lot of generalities. Uh, you want to hit with your, your what, what are some of the highlights for this movie? Okay, first of all, I want to know, how high is this movie for you? How much do you love it? Is it in your, like, top ten of all time? Is it How is it in, like, your comedies appreciation or Bill Murray movies? Like, how, I know we both love this movie, but how much do you love this movie? Well, uh, this may be a hot take, but... Uh, 
as Bill Murray movies go, one, this, two, Rushmore, and then and again, he's in plenty of Wes Anderson movies, but I'm not calling any other Wes Anderson movies Bill Murray movies. I guess Life Aquatic. Yeah, so Life Aquatic gets three. Fourth place, you're fired. I remember when I was a kid, uh, we my dad loved Bill Murray, and we'd watch all these movies. And I was like, yeah, these are good. And then one time we watched Groundhog Day, and I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. And then like a few days later, I was like, and I was like finally old enough to understand it. And a few days later, we watched Stripes. And I was like, man, Stripes fucking blows. Here, this is this hottest of hot takes i don't care to watch ghostbusters ever again oh i like ghostbusters. i am that would i be think i think it is pretty boring and not very funny wow. and mostly lame i, like uh, I don't i don't need i don't think i need any uh real bill murray movies outside of the wes anderson ones in this but boy those are very high up this is the top uh i think i if it's very easy to do that thing where you say it's like, oh yeah, oh that's a top ten movie for me, and then one day you step back and you're like, oh, there are thirty seven movies that I have claimed are in my top ten movies. Speaking but, of Bill Simmons, oh my, oh he is the worst about that. He he's a top six center in the NBA these days. <laughs> uh, but uh, I I do think that legitimately, if I really put my nose to the grindstone, said I got to do it, I think this is in my six to ten range. Nice. Yeah, it's great. I, I don't I know if it's really quite love this movie that high for me, but it is an all timer for sure. Yeah, um, you know who else? This is random. One of the articles I read was The Guardian Groundhog Day: The Perfect Comedy Forever from 2013. So that would be the 20th uh, anniversary of the movie coming out. Yep. Uh, David O. Russell, the director, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> adores Groundhog Day. Like a third of that article was an interview with David O. Russell talking about how much he loves this movie. And he had a quote at the end that said, it's the movie he, Bill Murray, was born to make. It's his greatest role. His cynicism and eventually his sincerity feel so real because he comes by them so honestly. He proves that if you feel it from the feet up, there are no cliches. Uh, and I I agree. And that was another theme among like the interviews and the clips and things. People talking about how, especially Harold Ramis uh, with the video clip and some of the interviews saying like, both the acid and the warmth of Bill Murray are very real. And this movie did a good job of bringing out both a lot. And I, yeah. and I totally agree. 100% agree. All right, Johnny, we've, we've talked around it a lot. We've talked a lot about loving this movie. We've talked about time loop movies. Generally, I'd like to get into a little detail and talk about our top three and bottom three. Uh, facets of this movie uh, I, I hate to do it can I hit you with one quick this is not a top or bottom three but it's important to me I prepared a thing it's important to me that I discuss it before we go on is that okay that is okay now this is a bit of a overdone joke on podcast maybe you've heard that podcasts are an audio medium and you should focus on what the people can hear, but I, I have what is not, it's not a visual joke, but it's a, a thing that you will get more out of and you can convey. Uh, I was watching the movie today, uh, or, or excuse me, last night. 
And I was taking notes, doing my due diligence so I could do a good job on the podcast. And then I was like, wait a minute. There's a thing in this movie that looks familiar to me. And Pat, you're going to have to convey to the audience if you think I'm correct. Okay. But uh, Bill Murray was born in 1950. Okay. And he this movie came out in 1993, so they're presumably shooting it in 1992. I am a mere 36, but I'll be 37 pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And if you look straight at the camera, I think I basically have Bill Murray's hairline in this movie. <laughs> All right. I can see that, yeah. I, if I grew out the sides and let them flip out, which they do if I grow it out, that's basically where I stand here. I think it's, I will, That's not good. I don't want I will grant that. it. But I think I do. And so I intentionally, uh, before we got on the, on the video hair. here, I, I, I put a little uh, water in my hair and really pushed it back to accentuate the fact that I kind of just have his exact shitty hairline in this movie. There you go. I My hairline has been... The the peak has gone deep uh, for me as well. It, it's not precisely the same as the the Bill Murray, but I've noticed definitely for sure that the the sides are going in a little bit. Uh, so I can I can relate to the aging does, process. Does the other side, if if you don't have your hair pushed over there, is it equal? Okay, yeah, it does. Yeah. It does look like a pretty clean line. Yeah, yeah. Now, honestly, maybe I need to look into a haircut like this. There you go. Like, like you've got like at the very least you got one side covered up and now it kind of looks like a intentional thing where there's like cool curvy lines going on. I just look like a guy who's got a widow's peak. I uh, you look great. I, I that's all I can say. And no one would say a bad word about Bill Murray either. I no one would say a bad word about Bill Murray. But this does remind me. I, I've got to throw it out there. Early in the 2020 election process we were trying to figure out which extremely cool person who we all love was gonna get to run for president against donald trump uh very early on pete Buttigieg said a bunch of good stuff i liked about uh the supreme court Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then gina my girlfriend directly asked me do you like pete Buttigieg because he has the same widow speak as you Wow. Very offensive. That is harsh. An outrageous claim. That was not true. That was not why I liked him. And he started acting real shitty right after that. So I never yeah. never even liked him again. But it was it was it still cut me to the core. Uh that I do kind of I just that's that's what my hairline is. I am going to derail the top three, bottom three as well. Oh no. Go, I'll continue the visual trend. I sent you an email with six photos. I want you to, as best you can, ignore the first three photos and just pay attention to the second three photos. And I just want to say, for literally an all-time classic, excellent genre-creating movie, the posters slash DVD covers for Groundhog's Day are absolute garbage. They do not look like they belong to a good movie at all. So if you look at the first one and the second one, the first one is the current thing for the 4K Blu-ray, and it is Bill Murray trapped inside an old-fashioned bell alarm clock with his hands up, making a little slight smirk. And it looks like a terrible, cheesy B-movie from the 80s. And notably... 
not the alarm clock from the movie. It was a radio alarm clock that could play I've Got You, Babe. Nothing about it works for me. Relatedly, the other one is one of the original posters with the same Bill Murray in an old-fashioned bell alarm clock, but it has Andy McDowell in the foreground with her hand on her chin just giving a smirk like, what's with this guy trapped inside of an alarm clock? And that sucks in the exact same way that the other one sucks. And then the third one, another one that was apparently a poster, says Groundhog Day, has Bill Murray, has Andy McDowell. Bill Murray is holding a different old-fashioned alarm clock. The pointing is so bad. Pointing at Bill Murray inside the alarm clock where his arms are the arms of the alarm clock. And Bill Murray's face doesn't look recognizably like Bill Murray. It looks like they got Bill Murray's brother to pose for this poster. I can't believe how trash all of the promotional materials are for this all-time classic, great genre-spawning movie. I was appalled. They could only get Bill Murray's ugliest brother, and then they photoshopped all the lines out of his face he has like like we just discussed this man is what 42 years old presumably he looks like a 17 year old boy based on the smoothness of his skin in that last one and honestly the other ones are not that bad he is he's he's younged up a little bit but he looks like a young he looks like a 40 year old man in the others and then for some reason everything is different in the pointing clock one Oh, my God. I think they're all terrible. They're all very bad. The pointing clock one just does not look like Bill Murray. It just looks like some other guy. Yeah, it looks like a boy. Yeah. Uh, It is. It's a bizarre choice. It it seems clear that they wanted to implicate that he is trapped in time in some way. And so maybe there's the idea there's some executive who's like, well, people will remember that there's a not a time travel, but there's a time something movie out there. So we want to put him in the clock, but it's lame as hell. I also say, if you look at his fingers around the four, they're all fucked up and too skinny and long. He looks, he's got weird hands in these pictures. His, his, his other hand is around the nine is okay, but his four, his, his, his four fingers are uh, fucked up in both of these yeah terrible terrible poster or dvd cover or promotional material or whatever conveys nothing and honestly groundhog day conveys nothing it is a wonder that this has become like a commonly used phrase to describe anything in our society because that means nothing yeah i I just feel like they could have done better. Like it is like it is obviously great. Everyone loves it. And the 4K Blu-ray came out after this movie was an established all-time classic. It wasn't like that came out in 1995 and they didn't realize what they had on their hands and yet they released that garbage. Let's do it. Criterion buys the rights. They're releasing a Criterion Groundhog Day 4K everything. Let's workshop. What is the what does the cover look like? I think probably the most like what they'd actually do is like a super simplified stylized drawing thing. Like it wouldn't have Bill Murray on it at all. It probably would be like a hand pulling off a, a paper calendar and it would just be February 2nd on every, you know, 
piece of paper that they're pulling off. Something that is just very artistically and simplistically portrays being stuck in the same day and, and nothing with a photograph. Uh, kind of like those modern minimalist movie posters, like that sort of thing. I, don't I know. like that. Uh, for mine, I'm going to go... A, 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 it, it's still going to be no photographs. It's all art. Uh, let's make it like intentionally clear that it's hand drawn but i want kind almost kind of like what you were talking about with super meat boy where like we see like branching paths of like there's like a line of bill murray's walking in and then some of them go off this way and die some go off this way and then so it's very small and then on the left side there's just a line and by the right side there's a million different ways it can go yeah that could be good not a good idea they should use some of these ideas on their box art I was thinking that like one of the, the like the most iconic scene in my mind, just like visually, is the groundhog driving the truck. But that would look also like a dumb, stupid '80s comedy if you tried to. Yeah, make it's a like yeah, we made Caddyshack three. Do you like yeah. it? Good movie, yeah. right? The, it would no. be hard to make a good poster out of that, probably. Uh, now, on the other hand, I think you could make an argument. You just throw Tobolowski on the thing, big smile, looking right down the barrel of the camera. I think that'd be it fun. It would instill the a correct sense of dread. Yeah, I think this people would. I think you, and, and especially talk to. Groundhog Day fans would be like, "Oh, that's that's fucking kills." I love that. Yeah. Maybe maybe we were overthinking it with all this like create new art. We just needed to find the one right frame. We just slap that on the front. Yeah. Hello, everyone. This is Pat interrupting my own extremely long-winded. Groundhog Day podcast to tell you uh, as you may have noted this has been going on for a while and we are not even close to done so Johnny and I kept going for quite a long time after this so I'm going to go ahead and do you the favor and do me the favor of splitting this up into two parts uh, there's a second at least as long part coming to discuss the rest of Groundhog Day actually finally get to our top three bottom three etc uh, we have a long ways to go Hopefully you enjoyed the first half. I will be publishing the second half soon, but I I could not put a two and a half hour podcast on my feed. I just wouldn't feel right. You can take this in bite-sized chunks and, and, you know, don't even listen to a whole episode at once if you want to break it up into several days, but I hope you're enjoying it. We obviously really love Groundhog Day and hopefully you enjoyed listening to us talk about it forever. Have a good one. Happy Groundhog Day. Bye. Happy birthday, Charlie Ordy.